Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let them know that they can make a change. 
to engage them in powerful conversations and uncomfortable conversations to get our young men and young women to evolve into, you know, future leaders in their community. Uh, and again, just to make sure that they're aware and conscious of what's going on around them. You got that right, Coach. And I feel like it's great what Carmen started and you're involved in it and Amir Abdullah's and Raheem's involved mm-hmm. in it. Kennesaw, also the Coach George Tech is also involved. So it's see that you guys right here in the Atlanta area are involved, baby, even and more interesting as well because, you know, we're in the hub of civil rights here in Atlanta. You know, sure. we have a lot of great men. Uh, unfortunately, John Lewis has passed away. Reverend Vivian has passed away, and Reverend Larry has passed away. We have Pastor Andrew Young still with us, and mm-hmm. Dr. Jane Lawson was still who are still with us. And so we're in a hub for this. We was we're in the episode of civil rights in the Black Mecca of the South to help people be an example of what it can be for us if we get past these tough times and want to be equitable once and for all and not always have to have that chip on our shoulder, look, look over our shoulder all the time and say, oh, my God, George Floyd could be clear for JR. Right. Now, JR, you made a great point. Uh, just being here in Atlanta, and like you mentioned, when I moved here years ago when I worked at Georgia Tech, uh, I didn't realize how much history was here. Uh how many living historians were here about the civil rights movement and, and beyond and how many people made changes here in Atlanta. And again, JR, like you mentioned, being here in Atlanta, you and I can look around out our window, uh, out of our office, uh, driving on the highway, and we can see uh, millions of people that look just like us. Uh, and to me, that says a lot, and that's powerful Uh, That's another reason why I wanted to join Coaches for Change. Uh, I have two sons. Uh, They're going to grow up in a world that uh, prayerfully is different than the world that I grew up in, uh, my parents grew up in, and my grandparents grew up in. And trying to teach them from day to day that, yes, they do look differently, but they should not be treated differently uh, than everyone else. Um, My son, who's going into sixth grade right now, uh, you know, gets upset sometimes when I tell him, hey, you have to, you're going to be challenged every day in our house. You have to do a little bit extra because I want to make sure that nobody judges you because of the color of your skin. I want to make sure that you are more than qualified for whatever comes your way and you are prepared and you are equipped. And just like we said, Coaches for Change, that's what we're trying to do with our student athletes and our respective teams. You've got basketball coaches, men's basketball. You've got women's basketball coaches, and you have strength and conditioning coaches. So from the ages of 18, uh, 22, or 24, whatever the students are now in college, we're trying to impact their lives. We're trying to educate them on what's going on in society. One of the biggest things I think all of the coaches around the country now are aware of are because of there's so many young people that have never voted before. That's one of the initiatives we're trying to take, voter registration. We're trying to make sure our team is all registered voters. Um, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but there's a large percentage of student-athletes who have never voted and who have never registered to vote. And I saw something uh, the other day that was talking about the different uh, branches of government that you learn in elementary or you learn in middle school. And I think most people, whether you're a teenager or adult, you just assume, well, I'm not voting because I don't have a say-so in the presidential election. 
Well, voting is more than just voting for the president. You're voting for people who can make laws in your community. You're voting for uh, the mayors in your city. You're voting for people who can become the police chief and things of that nature. So people don't really understand that. So that's one of the many things Coaches for Change is trying to do. Most definitely, Coach, and for me personally, you know, I'm the first one in my family born with four rights after the Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, and the Housing Act, because my mother and father were born in in 41 and 51. So they're 79, 69 years old. I'm their only child, 33 years old. I have four rights on paper, but of course, you know, if I go to certain parts of Atlanta, that's you know, up Gwinnett County way or up past Alpharetta or Upper Cobb, you know what's going to could possibly happen, right? So sure. we want to get to the point where that's not our issue anymore, where, you know, even down here in Stockbridge where I'm at, you know, where if I go a little too far down from Stockbridge, down to Hampton or whatever, Griffin, whatever, where it's going to be an issue. So we're right. at the point where not, not because, you know, after I get off the radio, I'm Jr. I'm I'm Jr. A black man, like you get out of the basketball, you feel a black man, not right. the head coach, the coach, you know. So we got we got feel I'm saying that hey, we are bl- black men all the time. We have a status of coach or a radio host for a little while, but once we leave, we're just black men have to worry about our lives all the time and our kids' lives because, like you said, any of us goals can be George Floyd or Brown mm-hmm. Taylor or Mar Arbery if some goes south. Or, uh, as you mentioned, you and I both are living in the Atlanta area. I mean, Rashad Brooks, uh, again, mm-hmm. got killed uh, not too far from downtown uh, Georgia State campus uh, at the Wendy's. And then they had a protest. So, again, th- those are real live situations. And to educate our team, like we've been doing every week uh, before they came back to campus uh, on a Zoom call. Uh, we've had professors on Zoom calls to educate our players on what does history tell us about what's going on now? Who knows about voting? Uh, you know, one of the things that I learned just in the last couple of weeks was about, you know, when college students go to vote, there are like, I, uh, I think it's called like voter ID requirements. Some of the places here in Georgia will allow students to bring their student ID, and some will not. So if I'm a college student and all I have is a college ID and I go to uh, vote and they tell me no, then what? Most people, most students will say, ah, forget it. I just won't do it. Another thing I learned was if you're not a registered voter, and I know most adults hate getting a, a notice or an email saying they have jury duty, but If you're not a registered voter, you can't be a part of jury duty. So you can't be a part of a jury. And if, in fact, you or somebody that looks like you happen to be on trial for something, whatever it is, that person is going to look over to the jury and say, wow, nobody in this jury looks like me. That means that young man or young woman may not have as good a chance to Go home. That young man or young woman may not have a chance to hear the jury to hear his side of the story. So I know, again, heaven forbid I do anything wrong and I go in front of a jury. But I know if I'm in front of a jury, I want to at least look to the jury and say, okay, there are three or four people that look like me that may be under 
be able to understand what I'm going through, how I'm explaining things, how my lawyer, attorney, how they are explaining things. You at least want that much. You got that right, Coach, because I think too many times us as us as our community have, you know, kind of pretty much flipped off voting, flipped off jury duty, because all these things are important and give us power. And sure. I think maybe now, finally, Coach, with what's happening in our country with the pandemic and with what happened to all these innocent black people, that, yeah. hey, the power's in our hands. We have to use our voice at the ballot box and in the courtroom to help our people because if we don't if we do not do help ourselves, we can't expect it for anybody else. No, you're exactly right. And I think it's been great that uh, I've been able to talk to uh, people who are not of color. They've asked lots of good questions. And I just think, you know, again, there are people out there who are willing to help. There are people out there willing to change. And there are people out there who are not of color who don't realize what really is going on for one reason or another. There's a lot of people out there that say, hey, I, I don't see color. I was raised the right way, X, Y, Z. That's great. But now we need you to see color to see it like we see it. We need you to see color because this is what's going on and has been going on to us for a long time. So we need you to see color. We need you to empathize with what's going on. And there are also people out there who have lived, uh, if you will, such a privileged life or an exclusive life or an elitist life. Some of them feel like, well, nothing's happened directly to me. So I'm just going to keep moving forward and climbing this, quote unquote, social ladder, economic ladder, financial ladder uh, in in America. And those are some of the people that we have to educate also on. Hey, by the way, just because you grew up this way and things were given to you or handed to you or just set up so that you're successful, you need to realize like, hey, everybody didn't grow up that way. So just because you grew up that way, hey, let's make sure that you at least listen to those who did not grow up the same way you grew up. Most definitely, Coach. And I think that this would be a good thing about what's happened. If you can find some good in what's happened, I'm able to have conversations with my white brothers and sisters about this. And, you know, I would say... 80-20 are receptive. You know, 20% sure. is hardening those beliefs. <clears throat> but I just say, hey, I tried, but yeah. you're going to do yeah. you. But for 80% I have reached and kind of got them to maybe come off some positions here and see it now is right and wrong. It's not about right and left politically. It's about now right and wrong. Should everybody be treated equal or not? That's mm-hmm. what it's about now. I said, I said, you can't quote to me Bible verses you don't think it should be right and wrong about equitable. I said, my, my politics are, I'm for the people. I'm for sure. right versus wrong. I'm for people not being in poverty, having a living wage. I'm for the people. I'm for women. I'm for, I'm for gay, lesbian, trans. I'm for people and them that have their rights to do be who they are. But I also live with means and not having to scrap and be at food banks or be crying, rationing out, wondering where the next meal's coming from or the next bill will be paid. So mm-hmm. I'm for mm-hmm. right and wrong and for the people, Coach. That's what people are telling. My politics are for the people. JR, that makes perfectly good sense to me. 
uh, like I mentioned before, that there is a uh, a group of people out there who grew up privileged, and that's the barrier we're trying to break, that privilege barrier. And again, I keep mentioning coaches for change. If anybody out there goes to that website, you'll see different categories on that website. You'll see different articles. If you just want to learn more and educate yourself, you can go. If you want to figure out, am I registered to vote? Not just am I registered to vote, but who are the people that I would be uh, voting for? Who are the people in your area? And what do they believe in? Uh, It's a dynamite website just on that alone. I can go to coachesforchange.org and find out who is running for office of the president, who's running for mayor, who's running for judge, and I can click on certain people and find out what do they believe in. How do they, what do they believe health care should be? What's their stand on abortion? What's their stand on civil rights? And I can find out, okay, as an individual, do my ideals, do my morals and ethics line up with this person or this person? And now you can go ahead and say, okay, I like person A because of what they stand for on these five or six issues. Person B, hey, I've heard a lot about. I've seen him on the news, but, man, if I look at his policies and what he thinks, he doesn't think the way I want to. JR, like you mentioned, you're for the people. So let me look on this site. Let me find out about these candidates. Who's for the people? Now I can make an educated decision when I go in there and vote. Most definitely, Coach. I want to say I'll let you go, Coach. Using my radio program, Coach, I've gotten backlash from listeners. I've lost two sponsors, but I don't care because this is bigger than me, Coach. This is a sure. fight for, for right and fight for good. And as John Lewis said, this is a good trouble. So if you want to threaten my show or pull out sponsorships or whatever you want to do, I'm doing it for the people and doing what's right by my people in my city. And I can care right. about what people think because I feel like this is bigger than me and bigger than you and myself. This is for people and our future down, down, down the road as a culture, as a nation. Jay, I think you're doing a dynamite job. Please, man, as much as you can, uh, you know, preach the gospel according to what you just said, right versus wrong. That's all. Simple. Yes, indeed. But Coach Warren, Thank you for your time today. This has been very great. Like I do it again with you down the road, man. Tell my man, Coach Lanier, I said what's up. I hope, hope to holler him real soon as well, man. JR, you're welcome to come by anytime, man. Thank you for having me on. Anytime. Thank you, Coach. Bye-bye. For all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks Blu ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B L U B E R R Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, great people, great work, great service. Hey there. Your yard took a real beating this summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, Winter Guard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. 
Hey, parents, we all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash BITZ to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academics.com and athleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404 542 607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show, covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you. Folks, back here on the Bossman Show. Coach David Fisdale, former coach of the Grizzlies, Knicks here with me. Coach Fisdale, early in the morning in L.A., man. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I, I'm an early riser, so I, this this is right up my alley. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Coach, first I want to ask you is this, man. How are you and your wife doing? Do you have a little boy on the way? Uh, how are you guys doing out there with this pandemic and in California with the cases that are going up here rapidly out there? You know what? We're doing fine, man. You know, compared to what a lot of people are going through right now, you know, we wake up every morning and count count our blessings, man. We got, like you said, we got a, a little boy on the way. Just saw some new pictures of him. Uh, he's pretty feisty in there. And, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty settled in here, close to family and friends. And so uh, we're, we're doing fine, man. We just, you know, obviously are really concerned with, with what's going on with COVID for, for people that don't have. The, the means to work around this thing and, and obviously what's going on in our country from a, a, a social injustice uh, standpoint. Now, Coach, you're bringing a young man to his world. You know, to make you really scared, you know, and really want to put more out here for you, young black men because you're bringing one to his world and how when we take away your status as a coach, mine as a radio host, that we're just black men. And that we are mm-hmm. targets, unfortunately, in, in this world. No matter what we do, once we pull off, take off our suits and our ties, and our credentials, we're just David and Jr. in this world today. And how we can come about and come past this? Hopefully, that finally, our nation is changing for for the better, for good. No, you're exactly right. And I think uh, sometimes people uh, lose sight of that. They think uh, you know because you hold a certain platform that all of a sudden everything's good for you and everything's good for your family, but that's actually, uh, not true. Uh, you know, as you said, at the end of the day, you know, when we, when we take off the suit or the whistle or whatever it may be, 
uh, we leave our home, uh, when that cop pulls us over, they not they don't see Coach Fisdale. They see a black man. And so it's just, you know, it's really important for us to continue to open, you know, these communication lines and spread the message and try to impact change. You know, our, our you know, people don't know who our kids are. People don't, people don't really care about that uh, once you're not entertaining them anymore, you know. And so I think it's just really important and it's our responsibility uh, to continue to, to get out the message and try to try to really change some things. Yes, indeed, Coach. You know, I've been getting pushed back on the show here because I'll be using my show for racial justice right now because I feel like it's very important. I'm 33 years old. You're in your mid-40s. We are probably the first in our, gen- our generation of our families to have, quote-unquote, full rights, but not really still be free because, of course, as we talked about it, when we go out, we have to move a certain way because if like, we're in a part-time, we sh- that's not for us, per se, or drive nice of a car, or just because... We could be have a gun in our head. George Floyd can be Coach Fisdale or J.R. McHenry. So it's like our listeners need to understand that, hey, we're, it, this is a real issue, and we can't run from it anymore because it's been, it was, people weren't trying to say, no, it's not really a problem. No, it's been a problem for years. Now social media has made it where we can see it now. People can talk about it and engage about it, and finally, hopefully, Coach, get us over the hill of change. And John Lewis spoke about his whole life who has passed away. Yeah, and I, you know, I think you're hitting it on the head from the standpoint of when, if people don't see it right in their face, they think it's not an issue. But you ask my family that live over here in South Central LA and Inglewood. You ask my my friends and, and some of my cousins who live in, in Memphis and, and out in Starkville, Mississippi, if, if this is a real issue. You know, my friends that live in Liberty City and Miami, uh, if this is a real issue. People that's on the ground every day. Uh, feeling the pressures and the occupation of bad policing. And, you know, so I think it's a naive way to look at things uh, for people to get frustrated for you with you for using your platform to bring light to this. I say to those people, if we don't speak up for our community, who will? You know, we've been waiting years for everybody else to get it. Uh, You know, but at the same time, that's not moving the needle. And, you know, you bring up John Lewis. Uh, he, he's speaking to us from the grave right now and, and let, telling us to use our platform, telling us to use every means possible so that human beings have basic rights on this planet. This isn't just about black people and what we go through. This is us fighting for basic human rights for everybody. Uh, it just so happens that we're killed at, at a, 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 a exponential rate by police officers. We're brutalized at an exponential rate by police officers. So, yes, our fight is about that, but ultimately it's about just every single human being, you know, brown people, black people, LGBTQ community, women, uh, you know, disabled folks. You know, this is about their rights too. And so, you know, if we can't speak on their behalf, who will? Most definitely, Coach. You know, my mother and father grew up and segregated Nashville, Tennessee, segregated Atlanta, where they couldn't cross certain streets after dark for first getting beaten. My mother showed me a letter when MLK got killed, where it was her prom night. She couldn't go to prom night without a letter because the death is death, the uprising in Nashville. So my parents grew up in there. So did George probably as well, grew up in there where they couldn't even go outside of towns without getting beat. So for me, I feel a need to 
for my mother and father and my grandmother and grandfather who couldn't, that I have a platform now here in Atlanta and to, to use it for good to help people and hopefully it reach one person who will change, who will help somebody else who will change. So just reaching one can lead us to a, a whole mass of change in my view, Coach. I think you, you're doing the right thing. And, and you know, I, I always felt like, you know, it exposes people when you make them uncomfortable. And and people have to start to take a side. And that's unfortunate to say what they do. It's, it's 2020 and, you know, black men are still being killed in the streets by police, unarmed black men. And it's just it's a time now that you either stand on the side of systematic hate and racism or you're on the side of justice. And it's really no gray area in between that. And, you know, what I've always learned, I've always said this, to, to become comfortable with something, you have to get uncomfortable. And, you know, I think this is a time where we have to make everybody feel the discomfort that we felt uh, for years and for generations. Like you said, my grandfather uh, fled just the Jim Crow laws in Mississippi where, as a young male, he and his brother to move to California for a better life just to find out that it was right there waiting for them in Los Angeles. And, you know, for them to keep to have the fortitude to fight this fight and to at least put us in the positions that we're in now, uh, by no means will we be satisfied with the circumstances and, and let our foot off the gas. It, it is our responsibility as, as the baton you know, the ones that's taking the baton uh, to really lead this fight and to, to make it better for our kids. And, Coach, I love what the NBACA is doing. Um, your committee, you guys are forming racial injustice and, and reform. I mean, Coach, what you guys have been doing for, for the community since George Floyd happened, since the pandemic, trying to get people to be aware. And I'm so happy to see you that Lloyd Pierce here in Atlanta with the Hawks has been one of the lead, the lead men in the NBACA for us, getting this thing going. So talk about what you guys are doing as a collective of coaches and what Lloyd Pierce has been doing as a, as a spearhead to get this thing going in the right direction here for you guys. Well, you know, when George Floyd was killed, we were all uh, obviously, you know, extremely angry and sickened uh, by the, by the what took place. But Lloyd Pierce was the one that really galvanized the group and reached out to Rick Carlisle, our association president. And, you know, that day, uh, Rick had all of us on the phone call. Um, you know, obviously it, it meant a lot to me to be to be brought back into the group from the standpoint of, you know, I'm not necessarily coaching the team right now. And so for them to reach out to me and bring me into the fold on this fight uh, really meant a lot to me. And, and Lloyd has, like I said, been the catalyst and the engine, you know, really fueling this thing. And the things that our focus is on is, you know, what we're trying to do, we're working closely with the EG, uh, EJI, Equal Justice Initiative, and Brian Stevenson, and with the uh, Obama Foundation. And what we're really trying to do is, is a campaign for truth and reconciliation. You know, our big thing is how can we move forward in, in fixing these problems if we won't even tell the truth about what has happened and, and not having that willingness to reconcile with our past, you know, whether it's slavery, uh, you know, the Jim Crow era, uh, you know, the war on drugs, the the, the, the the just absolute attack on 
our minority communities through the prison system. Uh, you know, if we're not willing to to deal with police brutality and what has happened in our communities and all of these different systemic things that have, have plagued us, then we won't be able to move forward. So we're really focused on educating our communities. We're really trying to bring to light uh, past events that have taken place, um, you know, in our in our individual communities, whether it's about police or some type of racist act or, or legislation trying to be pulled away from people, uh, the right to vote and things like that. And so we're really setting a spotlight on that stuff. We're also trying to honor the families that have really suffered because of police brutality or police violence. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, our, our final goal is to really educate uh, our communities on, you know, voting. And I, and it sounds cliche, but we're really talking about, you know, fighting the, the, the disinformation campaign that's been put out there to keep people from going out and voting. We want to spread the right information you know, giving people real proper uh, basic information about when to register, how to register, you know, how to get absentee ballot, how to do mail-in voting. Um, you know, we're trying to open up as many arenas as possible as these super polling places so that people have a safe, efficient way, trustworthy way to get out and vote. Um, you know, and really just staying in our lane from the standpoint of, you know, we, we looked at it and said, hey, we're coaches. What do coaches do? We teach, we educate, we lead, we bring people together. And so all of our focus has been on staying in our lane from that standpoint and really trying to put our best foot forward as an association. And, and I got to tell you, it's been a real honor for me uh, to, to be collaborating with the group of men that uh, our NBA head coaches. They are really dedicated to this and I think we've all gained uh, a, 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 a higher level of expertise and knowledge when it comes to our history and laws and legislation. And Coach Fisdale, I know Atlanta's already agreed to turn the State Farm Arena into a polling place. I know Detroit's doing it, and so is Charlotte, so hopefully more get it as well. And let's talk about a part of guys in your association, Coach, Coach Stan Van Gundy, had him on the show. He was so great at how knowledgeable he was about what we have going on as black men in this world. And let's talk about how Coach Van Gundy, Coach Kerr, and Coach Pavages and Coach Carla always have a, the right word to say, and they actually understand. that they, they actually get it and are willing to speak truth, truth to power and help us in this fight because we know we need our white brothers and sisters to help us push push this ball across the goal line here to get us the change that we all want and desire. No, it's, it's huge. And for them to understand that responsibility says a lot about them and their character. But it also brings up another, you know, really important point is that here you have, uh, you know, these four white men with incredible character and conscience who want to contribute and, and do the right thing and speak up when they see injustice. But yet still you catch black or I catch black as a black man who want to do the same thing for his own community. But it's okay. It's okay for the white man to stand up for us and for them to galvanize us. But when we want to do it, it's this underlying fear that our careers may be in jeopardy. Uh, the backlash could become severe. Um, you know, sponsorships may be threatened to be taken away from your show or from your team, you know, and it's like, no, you, you stay in your place. We 
lets you get far enough, you stay in your place. And that's where the, you know, to me, uh, we have to get keep fighting and get beyond that where, you know, not only are we allowed to, but we are encouraged to speak up and speak out on behalf of our communities from the highest levels of the corporate chain. And, you know, but it does take a pop, a curve, a Van Gundy, a Carlisle, to keep that message front and center, especially to the white community. Because like we all, you know, a lot of us have said this, and I do believe this, this is a white problem. We're inflicted by it, we get hit by it, but we did not create this. And we did not invent this. And, you know, we're not punching ourselves. And so, you know, for it to get fixed, it's going to take um, our white brothers and sisters, you know, especially ones with influence, uh, that can get to the right people to make the right changes. And Coach, you make a great point because I have lost three sponsors already, and I was sent a, a bad letter from corporate in New York, but I don't care. I have a guaranteed contract in 2022, so I don't care. <laughs> you know, so you're right. actually a very right. correct coach, which is, is, is you hit them in the head. I'm getting it right now in my role, but I don't care because this is bigger than me. I feel like it's my duty to speak up for my people and help my people move forward. It is bigger than you. It's bigger than all of us. And what it shows you, like I said, is that it exposes that discomfort will expose. And what it's doing is it's exposing people that are around you who have a, a, a interest in your show, but it's also showing showing you who they really are and what they really stand for. And, you know, if this is bothering you to the point where you don't want to be a part of something good and help real change for people then all you're doing is telling on yourself and really showing you know that you're a part of the problem you're a part of why we're here right now as much as people think they aren't they're not the ones with the baton or the ones that's kneeling on the neck but ultimately they really are and they're contributing to uh, the overall systemic, you know, racism that keeps people down and keeps people in their place. And so it's just another tactic to scare you. Um, that's what that they're going to try to use to get you to shut up. And you know, like, just like they tell the players, shut up and dribble. They're going to tell you, shut up and do sports. <laughs> and, and, and that's all people want to hear from you. But we're beyond that now. And, you know, it's time for people to get on the bus. I said to him, coaches, if, if Lloyd Pierce talk about it, he's the head coach of Atlanta Hawks, I can too. You know, it's more life than the Hawks yeah. and Falcons. It's more life than that, you know, and I'm going to be about that life. So if Lloyd Pierce can do what I can too, we're in the same city together with two black men with platforms in the city of Atlanta, we have to do this for our people, which, which is Atlanta's most majority black city. So we have to do it for yeah. our people right here in the city of Atlanta. Absolutely. You're sitting in the hub of civil rights. You sitting in the hub of Ralph Abernathy, Andrew Young, John Lewis, Dr. King, you know, you talk, you're talking about the greatest of the greats that have, have come through there to, to try to bring along better change for our people. And, you know, these guys have, have streets named for them uh, out there in Atlanta. And, and you know, it, it is more to be there in this moment in time as a black man, you have no choice. It's not, this isn't optional. I think that's what people think is that this is optional for us. 
And, you know, like I tell my wife and I've said to, to other people is, you know, I, I want to look back, you know, when my days are numbered on this planet and when my kids sit around with me and my grandkids sit around with me and ask me, well, what did you do during 2020? What did you do when George Floyd was killed? You know, when, when, when Breonna Taylor and Amaya Aubrey and all of these people were killed, what did you do to change anything? Did you just sit on the sideline or did you get involved? Did you try to impact something? And I want to be able to look them in their eye and tell them I was in the fight and I was in the trench and that they could be be proud of their father or their grandfather. And that is also their responsibility now to keep the movement moving. So, you know, I, I just think that's where we are, where we are. And, and we have to, you know, again, like I said, this is not optional for us. This is that we have to do this. Oh, Dev, I feel I feel the calling coach, uh, moment it happened because I put the call for you Hitler here I have a platform mm-hmm. for one million listeners here in the city of Atlanta and beyond from Chattanooga making I have to use my voice and I don't care like I said coach I have a guaranteed contract so I won't be hurt no matter what you do you know any sponsor yep. I lose I, I can regain it back on my own because I started this from from the bottom now I'm here so I, I, know, I know I know how to hustle and get sales and get advertising I know, I know how to make money with the radio so you're not gonna hurt me if you try to fire me I'll sue you and still get paid and be somewhere else it doesn't matter to me that's why I don't care to say on, on the air I don't care because this is bigger than me bigger than you it's, it's for, for the people not people going forward that's how I see it because if John Lewis didn't care about the people going forward, he wouldn't have been on, on the bridge that day. MLK oh. in March of Washington, all these people wouldn't have done what they did. They cared about the now. It's about the future. Yep, you got to think. They were telling MLK, slow down. Wait, don't try to do so much so fast. And, you know, here we are in 2020. We're still dealing with this. And so, you know, it's like I, I bought a T-shirt the other day. I just thought it was really cool, but it, it, it had a picture of Kaepernick on it. But it just it had these great words that says, you know, when we when we stand up, y'all mad at us. When we sit down, y'all mad at us. When we kneel, y'all mad at us. When we protest, y'all mad. But when we die, y'all silent. And it just hits home that, you know, here we are. Everybody's always trying to make it about protest and they're doing this and they're doing that but no one seems to ever really want to lock in on what the hell we're protesting about and focus in on the fact that we are dying out here our people are dying and and the same thing that was happening you know to, to our grandparents through the lynching process is happening to us now through the policing process and, and you know now all prisons are to just privatize, you know, slave camps at the end of the day. And, and they're, they're imprisoning the hell out of us and, and brown people. And so, you know, we can't wait. We can't go at the pace that's comfortable for them and for everybody else. We have to push this thing forward. Like you said, John Lewis could have easily said, you know what, y'all, let's not, let's put this march off. And we wouldn't have a right to vote. You know, Lyndon Johnson might not have passed the act. So, you know, the fact that he had the courage to push forward despite the threats on his life, you know, like you said, they threatened in your career. John Lewis was almost killed. You know, Martin Luther King was assassinated. These folks these folks gave their life 
for us to have basic rights. And so who are we to sit on the sideline right now when, when they're speaking to us from their graves? Most definitely, Coach. And I also want to run this by you, man. Uh, you know, uh, we here in the NBA community, in the sports community, I feel like that it's a perfect time because sports usually brings people together. And that's great because, like, you know, I didn't meet my first white kids. I was seven years old playing travel baseball. And so being able to have guys like J.J. Reddick and Caruso and Kyle Corver, mm-hmm. who also understand by being around black guys and locker room with black guys know where we're coming from because their voice is so important. Like Van Gunn's voice is very important because having guys in the sports community who aren't like we're just teammates, but we get to talking and we learn about each other from our perspectives. And that way they grow and help their people see us differently as well, not just entertainment or, or just when the, when the jersey's on, I cheer for you. When we get to the jersey off, I don't care what happens to you other than the, our team won tonight. Yeah, I think it's like like you said, this, the, the needle will, will only move so much if it's just black people spreading the message, ranting and raving, fighting for this. Like, this only moves faster and, and forward with the assistance of our white colleagues. Um, you know, white players in the league, um, you know, white, white, white folks in the corporate world, white people in the film industry, um, you know, we need collaboration. And, and you know, ultimately what I try to point out is this isn't a white against black thing. This is a hate against love thing. And so when you, when you look at, if you just think about yourself as a person, and we was all blank slates, the people that's on the other side are just, they just have hate in their heart. And everybody else has to be on the same team. And so if you take color out of it, where does that leave a lot of people? And I think more people are on the side of love than they are hate. And the sad part about the whole thing that really, you know, it's part of me that really feels bad for uh, underserved white communities because what ultimately happens is they're being used uh, to keep, to, you know what I'm saying, by, the, by, by elite, rich, um, racist whites to perpetuate this lie that black people are out to get to, that brown people are taking your jobs, you know, all of this BS to keep us divided, where those white folks got the same problems as black people in our neighborhoods, you know, whether it's, it's food deserts or, let not, you know, lack of opportunity for jobs, uh, you know, underserved schools, schools that aren't healthy, that got lead in their water and, and everything else, mold in their classrooms. These folks don't have health care. If you take color off of it, we all look the same under those circumstances. And the sad part is, is, is those folks are being lied to, to to keep us divided so that we don't come together to push this agenda forward. And so I'm, I'm always speaking to and trying to really shed light on the lies that's being spread, the misinformation that's being spread to the underserved white community. Because at the end of the day, that's how they keep this thing going. If you look at, you know, look at the Capitol building over there in Michigan when all those guys showed up with their guns and they swastikas, those a lot of those people are poor white people. And they have convinced them and twisted their minds into thinking that Everyone else is the reason why their situation sucks. 
Whereas if they would just look at their own kind that has the money, they would start to see that it's not everybody else. It's your own people doing this to you. It's the people with the power, you know, and, and starting with our president. And, you know, it's amazing to me that they would follow a guy like that who was just li- literally just broken every every vow that he's made to them. He buys his goods from China, but he acts like China's the one taking their jobs, right? Like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you, you're the reason why these folks are there, but he just keeps perpetuating that message of it's not us, it's them. And we just have to keep that battle alive and keep fighting because I think a lot of people with this COVID are starting to see the, the truth and that he don't give a damn about none of y'all except his reelection and his money. And I think the more people start to see that, the more we'll start to come together on other things because now we have a common ground. Well, Coach, last hour we discussed Medicaid expansion in Missouri that passed last night. And I talked about here in Georgia how, you know, in the rural counties here in Georgia where the poor whites are, you have to go drive an hour and a half or 90 miles for to see a nearest doctor. We could have spent in Medicaid here and got you on the rolls here in Georgia. But in Missouri even, Kansas City, and St. Louis carried it, carried it over the fence. But in the rural areas, they voted against it. Who needed who need it the most? So I'm like, you constantly against your own interests because you've been fed the BS, as you said, Coach Fizz. And I'm like, if they ever see the light. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what will push it over the hump. But, <laughs> you know, the thought of the thought of here we are in a pandemic and he's getting everybody all riled up, riled, riled, riled on his side. But these same people are the ones that he's trying to, to take away the health care. And trying to, he's literally in the process of trying to end the ACA, the Obamacare Act, and get all of these people off of health care in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I don't care how much you like somebody. My mom always taught me, don't go off of what people say, go off of what they do. Amen. And and what he is doing to underserved white communities is really criminal. It's, it's, that's the best way I can put it. What he's doing during this pandemic is criminal. There are people dropping dead all over this country. Whether you're in rural America or whether you're in the inner cities, it doesn't matter because pandemics don't see color. They don't see boundaries. It doesn't see any of that. All it sees is a possibility to spread. And the fact that he's going out of his way, he's put more time into taking away health care and hurting people than he is in trying to stop this thing. And that's really scary. And I'm, I'm just hoping that people start to see the actions of this person and, and not get caught up in this, this divisive message of this person. Come on there, Coach. And I told somebody this from last week on the show. People only change when it hits their doorstep right in their backyard. So it's hitting exactly. their backyards right now. So that's what the, the changes finally came because actually, wow, my grandmother died. Oh, I got sick. Or oh, my family. So now it's at your doorstep. Now you see what we've been saying for three and a half years that, oh, wow, he really is what they said he was. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's like that's unfortunate that it comes to that, that people don't see things until it hits them. But, you know, ultimately, whatever it takes to get people to see the light, then then that's what it takes because 
you know, I never try to tell people what they should be doing, how they should vote, all of this stuff. I just want people to get out and vote and, and be, have, be able to, to participate in it. And what I try to, you know, especially in my own circles, because I got white friends that voted for him and, you know, I got their parents who believe in some of that crap. And, and my thing to them is, well, at the end of the day, COVID doesn't care. At the end of the day, as long as COVID is running rampant, you can keep yelling, open up the open, open the schools and open all that stuff. It's not going to happen. And so guess who's affected? Everybody. And it doesn't care if you white or black or, or Latinx or any of that. It is going to hit us all one way or another. If you can't take your kids to school, that means you're not going to work <laughs> at the end of the day. And so, and as much as you, all these people want to, run around with masks off and, and hang out in bars and all. as long as that stuff's going on freely because we don't have a national plan to this, then it's going to affect everybody. And so at some point, like you said, it's coming into your yard and you're going to have to deal with it and you're going to have to face the reality that the person that's supposed to be leading us and taking us forward and getting us through this and really looking out for our safety is not doing his job. And because I had to call out our clip, our people in Atlanta who promoting the clubs here, having parties, indoor pool parties. I'm like, what are you all doing? You're hurting us the most because uh, you want to have a, a, a washed up rapper have a concert inside of a club on Tuesday night for a dollar because you want to make some money on liquor sales. I'm like, I have had to call out our people in Atlanta, our clip promoters who I, I, some of my friends with, but they're wrong right there, Coach, because they're hurting our people. We shouldn't be having pool parties. We shouldn't be having club nights. Stop all that because it's hurting us so they're going to kill their grandmothers, their grandfathers, or uncles, or aunts who might have a condition and be in doctor's disease. It's Absolutely. Mind, man. <laughs> no, it's, and it's, uh, it's, you know, it's unfortunate that you have, you know, short-sighted people who often are running these events because they say, oh, well, I can make this much money off of this tonight or I can do this, but that's going to end up keeping us closed longer. And that's the thing that, to me, is mind-boggling that people want to rush to get back to normal life, but they don't realize if you don't do the work in, on the front side, we're never getting back to normal. We're never getting back to anything close to normal because as long as this thing keeps spreading, they're going to keep shutting us down. And they have to do it. There's just, there's just no other way around it. You have to shut things down when super spreads are happening and these and these – it's really a selfish way to go about life uh, when you're having these parties and you're having these, you know, these, these, you know, open bars and people not wearing masks. Like the whole mask thing is just that that one, that one, how it became political is just beyond me. And it just goes to show you the influence of our president. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, I look at it as the same as, as smoking indoors, right? Like, okay. A cigarette, it's going to kill you faster, but secondhand smoke also kills. Most so definitely. if you don't wear a mask, you're killing me too. And it's like, that should not be put in the, the, the freedoms part of being an American. Like, I thought we were supposed to be about our neighbor and look out for each other. That's no that's no right. You don't have no, no inalienable right to be able to kill other people with your virus like that makes no sense to me and so i just think it's a really 
you know, quite honestly, a selfish part of our, our society who really don't give a damn about uh, others. It's really just about them. And, you know, it's really an unfortunate thing that, you know, I don't know if that's something that we'll be able to combat unless the president of the United States steps up and makes things federal law and mandate things federally. Because otherwise, you know, out there in Georgia, you got the, the damn governor is suing Mayor Bottoms exactly. because she's trying to save people's life. Like, what's, like that, if that don't tell you about how somebody feel about you, then I don't know what does. The fact that he's trying to stop her from saving lives, you know, and that just, to me, is just unconscionable. So, you know, when you have his minions doing that kind of work, just to, to win favor with him, and, you know, somehow, I guess, sustain a certain voting base, to me, it's just sickening and scary. And it just goes to show you the the depths of selfishness and, and, and selfishness and greed uh, that, that plagues our country. That's what I got for you, Coach. Thank you for your time this morning. And I'm blown every, every break. I don't care. You've been so good. <laughs> but, so, so, Coach, <laughs> tell me this. What is your – Finest memory of coaching against the Hawks in Atlanta. I know you've been here many a time to coach against the Hawks. What's your finest memory of coming here to coach and playing against the Hawks, whether it be under when you're in Miami out and Golden State or with, when you go to the Knicks or with the, with the Grizzlies? I would say um, probably the, the the I would say two two moments in time was my final one when I was coaching with the Hawks. Uh, I just had I remember the. Uh, the series we played when we finally made the playoffs and we played Boston as a 1-8 series. And uh, Mike Woodson was the head coach, and we pushed him to seven games. That was an incredible moment uh, in time for our young team. And then when we came back, when I came back with Miami with the big three the first time to Atlanta and just the energy in the building and the crowd, and uh, it was electric, and it was, uh, it was a fun night. So I'll always remember those times. Atlanta's really close to my heart. I got a lot of close friends there, uh, you know, living there for four years and coaching with the Hawks. I've gotten to know a lot of people there. And it just, you know, to see what Coach Pierce is doing, who's one of my best friends in the game, uh, you know, really makes me proud. And to see what the Hawks organization is standing for, uh, the city should really be behind them. Yeah, I, I love that team. You was assistant coach with coach. I love Woody's team, and I loved how the Hazaza stuff to Kevin Garnett and got the, the, us riled up, man, and excited. <laughs> I mean, I was loving them days, man. But that, the, but that the team of made the Hawks relevant again. That was the invention of ISO Joe Johnson. He took over that series and literally carried us on his back to a seven-game series. So it's it's a great moment in time. Uh, for the growth of that organization, and it was the first step out of them struggling and moving forward and becoming a playoff team. Well, Coach Fisdale, you've been great with your time. I told you I blew through every every break and on the man. I was not going to cut you off. It was so damn good. <laughs> Coach, we got to do this again real soon, brother. I thank you so much for your time, Coach. Hope to see you down the road again. Hope you and your wife stay safe in California. And we got to keep pushing fighting on, Coach. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. And you just keep those blinders on and you keep going forward with a message and leading from your platform because what you're doing is right action and you're doing something good for your community. And anybody that's not down with that, uh, it just tells you a lot about who they are and what they're about. 
definitely, Coach. Thank you for your time. Coach, we'll do it again soon, brother. But stay safe, Coach. All right, buddy. Take care. All right. Stay at deal on the Boss Man Show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.